Thank you, John. It's good to speak with you again. You're back from another mission to Ukraine. What kind of work did you end up doing? I know when you showed us highlights of your previous mission, it was hard to watch because you have the before pictures most of the time. And these are people who have been injured, most of them in battle. Yes, uh, John, we saw very, very severe and complex injuries again this time. Um, we did some even more uh, difficult work in some ways because we're able to uh, build. Um, as I would have mentioned before, the real, really uh, great challenges with these patients is that they have high uh, ballistic injury. And so they don't always just have tissue moved around, but they've lost tissue. They've lost bone. They've lost muscle. They've lost fat. They've lost skin. And so we have to restore all this. So uh, we focused on a number of things, but some really interesting things we did this time were, number one, reconstructing the eye. We had many patients who were blind in one eye, and unfortunately, several patients who'd lost both of their eyes, and they were completely blind. And we had to reconstruct the bones around the orbit. And sometimes we use as many as three of these titanium 3D printed implants, which were specially customized printed for these patients. And we're actually doing innovative, uh, you know, groundbreaking work in this regard. In uh, normally people might have one implant, we were putting in as many as three and having to fit them together a little bit like uh, Lego blocks. And then after that, we would take uh, fat from the abdomen, for example, to help build up the volume inside the orbit where the uh, globe of the eye had been lost, and then uh, recreate new eyelids so ultimately at least they can have a, uh, you know, a prosthetic eye placed. So that was one of the really um, critical things we were doing, as well as reconstructing noses by taking rib grafts and then taking uh, uh, skin flaps from the forehead. Uh, mucosa from inside the nose and and something that they hadn't seen much in uh, Ukraine in the past is we're doing facial nerve reanimation. Unfortunately, some of these soldiers lose the ability to move their face because their facial nerve, the motor nerve, has been destroyed or lost. And so in some cases where the nerve was present, we could do some uh, uh, interpositions of other nerves to make it work. And other times we did what we call static slings. And we had hundreds and hundreds of surgeons from all over Ukraine watching these procedures on live streaming because they're rather novel for them. And we're teaching all of this to the Ukrainian surgeons, and they're gradually starting to acquire the skill sets, so ultimately they'll be able to do this themselves. Well, and I think that's worth emphasizing, Peter, that uh, Face the Future, part of the mandate is to leave behind the knowledge so that the locals can do this same surgery. It's not just about you flying in, working miracles, and then saying, see you later. No, uh, very, very much. We really need to build for the future. Uh, this really is a generational uh, problem. There are tens and tens of thousands of soldiers and civilians, of course, with very, very severe head and neck injuries, which uh, we focus on. Our very first day, we had our second international symposium on reconstruction of uh, head and neck war injuries. We had uh, over 220 surgeons from all across Ukraine present. Uh, the Minister of Health actually opened our meeting. Uh, as mentioned, we followed up with this with four days of live streaming from two different operating rooms of our procedures where we had hundreds of surgeons operating. And another thing that we're really working on is, is building the teams because surgeons can't work in isolation, of course. They really need anesthesiologists whom we take and they need nursing teams. So uh, we were delighted this time that we worked with the uh, nursing leadership uh, at this regional hospital. Uh, we also had senior leadership from Kyiv, uh, from the federal government come, and we had over 300 nurses from all across Ukraine for a full day of education on nursing topics. And we're looking to 
really expand in the future, not only those academic days, but also practical hands-on teaching, which we had some courses this time in intravenous placement, for example, uh, wound management. Uh, and so there's a whole uh, team approach that we're taking so that we can build out their hospitals to do this work long after we're gone. I think I asked you this question the last time, but I'll, I'll ask it again anyway. I just wonder, you go on missions all over the world, and usually you're handling tumors and injuries and cleft palates and things like that. In this case, you're, you're trying to repair the damage that was wrought by our fellow man in a conflict that shouldn't even be happening. I mean, do you reflect on that at all, or are you just saying, I'm going to fix this face and keep moving? No, you're, you're absolutely right, uh, John. It, it, you know, surgeons, nurses, anesthesiologists, uh, all those healthcare providers... Um, we obviously have feelings and emotions, too, even though we get very engaged and engrossed in our technical work. And it really is true that uh, it's one thing to deal with someone who very unfortunately has a tumor or maybe someone was injured in an earthquake. But when you see these kinds of injuries and you realize that man has inflicted these upon man, and when you hear the tragic stories behind them, uh, it really is a more emotive experience. And there's none of us on these missions, none of our 15 team members who do not have some um, emotional moments. And it really uh, does uh, bind us even more, it bonds us even more to want to do the best we can to help these individuals. And if somebody listening right now has been moved by what, you know, the stories you're telling, how can they help support Face the Future? Uh, anyone, if they would like, could learn more about Face the Future by going to our website, www.facethefuture.com foundation.ca, that's .ca, and it tells our stories there. And if anyone felt they would like to help support our efforts, be they in Ukraine, where we go, we also uh, go to Nepal and to Ethiopia, Rwanda, with different missions, doing different kinds of work. Obviously, the more friends uh, we have, the more work we can do. And we're always looking to do the best we can by increasing our teams and the number of places we go. Thank you, Peter. Good to have you. Thank you very much, John. Have a really good day. That's Dr. Peter Adamson. I hosted, well, I, every year I do. I think it's in the month of May usually. We do a, um, a gala and try to raise some money. But a lot of that money comes from the same very generous people who have been with Peter for going on 20 years. So I've tried to promote it because I always want to see if we can find new sources of, of donations altogether. But also at the last gala that I hosted, I uh, confessed for the first time to Peter that he has this habit of writing these very elegant um, notes of thanks when you've done something for the foundation. And he writes them in fountain pen on a specially created cardboard, which has an, an, you know, it's embossed and it's got his name on it. So he sent one to me and the dog ate it. The dog eats the mail. I, and I, yes, we've tried a lot of things. I'm just going to get a box and put it on the outside of the house. 